Hi, everybody. This is Don Mitchell, and welcome to Dawn of Sports. This week, I'm so excited. I have a fellow female Vikings aficionado, that's what I'm going to call her, Tatum Everett here from Vikings Entertainment Network. We're going to delve deep into what got her into football and the Vikings, and also we talk all the topics with Tatum. So stick around. I think you're going to like this one. Yes, this is Don of Sports. I'm here with Don Mitchell, as always, of Fox 9 fame. Brandon Morton is our producer. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Uh, Don, I'm going to let you introduce our special guest, and then we're going to get to the Super Bowl and women's sports and everything else. Absolutely. One of my favorite people, actually. She's all blushy-blushy. Tatum Everett from Vikings Entertainment Network. It's so great for me to have a female that's with me every single day and knows what it's like to have to... Perform, be on television, turn your stories, and and just kind of live the life. Um, you know, fellow reporter, kind of in the trenches with me. So, yeah. Tatum, thanks for joining us. Oh my gosh. I, I'm so of excited course. to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. And and when I it's an equally so much respect for you, Don. Always because the grind is real, and that's what I did before the Vikings. I was in local TV in Nashville and several other stops before that, that nobody in this audience probably has ever heard of because you always start a little small in the TV world. And, um, and it's just, it takes, it's almost like when you meet the people that are in, and I'm sure it's the same when you meet beat writers and, and newspaper folks, like you're in this like unspoken fraternity of people that just have the same understanding of what you've been through and what you've done to get there. And it just is this like unspoken rule. I don't know. So it's, it's been awesome to have someone at our partner who is a female and that we can kind of have that going for us. It's not like, but that's also the great thing about the Vikings and, mm-hmm. and, and Minnesota in general. I feel like we have a lot of women representation in yes. the media. And when we're in the locker room, it's not just a bunch of men and like one girl just hanging out. So it For a long nice. time, that was me, though. I bet that was. I No right, doubt Jim? about it. Yes. And I tell you what, I, you know, I, I was a NFL writer for a long time in the old days and a baseball beat writer in the old days. First started doing columns. And, and I always tell people the world got so much better when women started doing those jobs. And it wasn't just a bunch of guys hanging out in the locker room because a bunch of guys in the locker room, things can get nasty. And I thought, I thought everybody cleaned up their act and acted a little more human when we finally had uh, some women hanging around us. Yeah, I remember the first few times when I was in there because I was raised with four brothers, but my brothers are awesome to me, right? So they're they're not crass or rude or anything like that, but it didn't offend me. And so I remember, and, and I don't want to paint a picture of a bad locker room with the guys, but it, I just kind of felt like I could send the zingers right back to them and like, oh, Oh, she's, she's one of us. She's, yeah, she can play go, ball now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm not offended. You know, you can call, you know, it takes a lot to offend me personally. I, I mean, that, I think you have to have that thick skin in yeah. what we do anyway. Like it has to take a lot to, like if something offends you, you probably, right. it, it's, it's just harder to do your job and deal with it. You know, you get that thick skin pretty early on. Um, They always say, don't read your comments or your mentions or right. whatever. And, you know, I, I, I won't lie. I do. I, and there are some things that I'm like, really? Did you want to say that? But I also read them because sometimes I do want to hear feedback. Um, I've I've encountered, you know, things that maybe are like, oh, okay. But most of the time, I think I have a good enough sense of humor to be like, cool. Like, I don't know you. You don't know me. If you want to say those things, like, go for it. That says more about you than does me. So I usually just no don't doubt. take, I just don't take it too personal. I really don't. I think the issue with me when it came to social media with that, because when you're in person and I can kind of give a, a Boston one-liner back to you. People know you're joking, but when you do that on social media, they're like, you're mean. I'm like, well, first of all, your comment to me was mean. I, and I wasn't offended by it. I was just being funny back to you. Like, well, like, or you took that so sensitive. I'm like, I actually really didn't. I was being funny. You can't hear my tone though. Yeah. So I hate social media. It's just a necessary part of the business, but I hate yes. it. So I just try to deal with it as I can. Uh, let's reset here. <laughs> This is, the Don, this is Don of Sports. This is Don Mitchell's show at talknorth.com. Best way to listen to this show or any show at the network. Subscribe to your podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. We want to thank our longtime sponsor, Rudy Luther Toyota. Uh, they've been great for women's sports. They've been great for this network and this show. We do appreciate it. Uh, if you'd like to get in early and advertise on a show that does highlight women in sports, as well as everything else we do, Vikings, Twins, we do all the men's sports as well. 
You can reach Karen Cleary at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. Uh, and again, thanks to Brandon Morton for holding this thing together. Uh, we will get to some women's sports in a little bit, but let's face it, it's the Monday after the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Tatum, what did you think? I mean, I enjoyed I enjoyed the game towards the end. I think it was a lot of comments from the Super Bowl peanut gallery that I party that I was at where it was like, oh, this game's kind of boring. It's just kind of, you know, nothing's really going on. And then the end kind of just made it one of those ones I probably won't forget. Um, the, I mean... I mean, I did walk in here wearing my Taylor Swift sweatshirt because Noticed, I yeah. haven't really taken it off. But um, <laughs> so obviously I was I was in the game for a lot of other reasons. I liked the how many stars that we got to see. And I liked to see um, Usher's performance and who he brought on stage. And like, that's the why I enjoy the Super Bowl. And I don't really watch the commercials anymore. I don't know if you guys... I thought the they commercials were, are terrible. They were not the very best good. one, and I'm biased because I'm well, from Boston. Well, I know Boston. which one you're going to say. <laughs> the Dunkings. Yes. I mean, that yeah, was the best. That was, that that was, was the best that one. That might have been the only sadly, good one. It, might, it was one of the only good ones, yeah. for sure, for sure. But as far as the game goes, I, I don't know. I just, I've learned to not bet against Patrick Mahomes, yep. and I just didn't. I, I, You know, for a while there, I was like, okay, this could be the year because I thought San Francisco really was the better team into the fourth quarter and then, you know, Mahomes magic. And it's funny when you're sitting there with people that are casual football fans who don't really watch it day in, day out, week in and week out. They're like, of course, Patrick Mahomes will get a two minute warning, a two minute uh, game winning touchdown drive at the end of the game. I mean, it was the field goal, but like at the same time, it was just like, of course, this is going to happen. Um, the NFL is scripted, all those kinds of funny comments I like to yeah, hear. Because we're in the pest press box. We don't get to hear that stuff. The NFL, obviously, why would they not want Kansas City to win all the championships? That's the biggest market in America. I mean, you, know, you wouldn't want a team from the Bay Area, that tiny little town up there, you <laughs> mm. know, the little suburb. You wouldn't want that. You wouldn't want L.A. teams to win the championship. You wouldn't want the New York teams to win the championship. You wouldn't want Chicago to be good. You, you would want the team in Kansas City to win all the Super Bowls. You know, the thing is, though, you knew when it was getting down to the wire mm-hmm. that Mahomes can do anything. Now, what I, what I found was interesting this morning, uh, coming out of all the beat writers that were in the locker room last, last night or for the teams, San Francisco did not know the overtime rules. Amazing. And, and did not know the wild. overtime rules. And so Kansas City, the players were talking afterward, like Chris Jones is saying, yep, we, we knew what the deal was and we knew if we scored... If they scored a touchdown, we were, yep. we, they had it all planned They're out. all done. And the 49ers players had no idea what the – they could have – if yes. they scored a touchdown on the first drive, they yes. would have celebrated like they had yes. won the Super Bowl. It would have been a complete embarrassment. So why that's on, that's on well, and, and for someone coaching. like, you know, I, I, like Kyle Shanahan has been in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. before. Now, granted, the rules are different, but like, you know, to me, he's had a, he's had a two-point double-digit lean in all three of his Super Bowl yeah. appearances yeah. and is 0-3. And, and it's – you know, you can't, obviously as a coach, he's going to say, I'll put this all on me. But at the same time, I'm, I'm sitting here going like, that's, that's a weird coincidence too, that you're, and I do think that Dre Greenlaw, the fact that he was out was a huge factor in that too. Oh, that was horrible. That was really, really sad to see. I mean, for an Achilles and. I do say the game. game mirrored Usher's performance because the beginning of <laughs> Usher's performance and got it going. was not good. I'm like, yeah. is this mic off? Like, is is he lip syncing? Like, what? It's what's too much going, going on? on? Too many people out there. And then it got better. So I'm like, that's exactly what the game was. Well, as a guitarist, I just loved her. She's, she is she, incredible. She's phenomenal, and to see her take center stage like that was really cool. Did you Once see that Alicia she, Keys came out? I was like, oh yeah, and Alicia Keys is I the know, best, yeah. right? She's the best. But did you see that her actually sang the national anthem yes. as a child? Yes, when so she was nine the 49ers years old. 49ers game? No. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh so my So she went gosh. from singing the national anthem as a nine year old to being on stage during the Super Bowl yeah. halftime. She didn't show. go by her back then, did she? I don't think so. Yeah, no. <laughs> H E R. Oh, sorry. No, I'm kidding. That's a, of course that's a lot of dots. It's, just, it's, just, it's cool the way she's done it, but she's a great guitarist. All right, let's... Uh, I just want to say yes, one thing. I'm very happy, though, that Travis Kelsey did not get on one knee and propose. That wasn't going like, to right. Andy Reid? Uh, yeah, yeah, to Andy <laughs> And you know that how they handle that whole um, tete-a-tete, shall we call it? Um, you know, I love Andy Reid because he's like, yeah, I like, I like the... Pa-. He said he caught me off guard. I didn't know he was coming. Um, His hip went out. Like the yeah. passion. Yeah. Uh, that was a bad look. I love Travis Kelsey, but that was a bad yeah, look. Somebody said Taylor, red flag. You could have killed her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No kidding. <laughs> By the way, on this show, our guests, listen, Donna's done a great job bringing in guests. We do highlight a lot of women in sports as well as women's sports, but we 
we don't pigeonhole things. We have all kinds of cool people on. Last week, we had Patrick Mahomes' godfather. Yes. LaTroy Hawkins on. He and, was awesome. And That's cool. Yeah. He, and I've known LaTroy for, oh, God, 30 years now. Yeah. And uh, he was just saying, hey, yeah, I talked to Patrick the other day and everything. And, just, and you have to real. I mean, Patrick's got all the Swifty stuff going on. He's got the pressure of trying to win another Super Bowl and elevate himself into maybe greatest of ever conversation. His father, uh, you know, who I was friendly with, with the twins, got his third DUI during the way. I mean, yeah, he had that was so much going mm-hmm. on. And LaTroy just said, yeah, he's fine. And he, he's, he's always, that's what LaTroy has always told me about Patrick. Yeah. Mahomes, is, he's always the same. He handles every, he loves pressure. So when pressure hits him, it, it's not going to derail him at all. You can tell. You can definitely tell. You know, when I was covering, when I was in small town Louisiana up north in the state, it was right by the East Texas border. And I just remember going to one one of the games I went to, Cliff Kingsbury was there recruiting this guy called Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And I was covering the other team, so I didn't really pay too much attention to it. But then come to find out, you know, this kid from like super small town, Tyler, Texas is like now one of the greatest quarterbacks we've seen. And we get to watch that unfold. and. Makes me feel a little old because I was like, wow, I was there for his senior year. Get used to that. Yeah, yeah it's I'll not a great I, feeling. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I covered uh, Larry Johnson when he was in high school, so I'm old. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, it's just really, I just love being able to watch a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't identify with the greatness, but you can identify with what the way they're thinking is. And the leadership, that's all you hear about him is he's got that lot. He knows how to motivate the guys. He knows how to calm them down. He knows what buttons to push and to have, like you said, everything going on. You have the weight of the world on your shoulders as a quarterback and you got three ring circuses. Literally, you're in Vegas. You know, it's kind of craziness. And to be, everyone was saying how calm they were seeing everyone in San Francisco was, right? Oh, Look at Purdy. He's always calm. I'm like, inside, he's probably not calm. <laughs> you know, and Patrick Holmes is kind of like, I don't know, uh, like a chipmunk on crack probably with his brain, like, check downs, you know, that kind of stuff. I just love watching him go to work. And, you know, we've all been in the business long enough. And you talked about your friends that might have been like, oh, it's rigged. You know, when a player is like that and they have that two minute drill and they've been there, done that before. It's like, buckle up. You know, mm. they're going to ginsu your way down to the end zone and boom. And also just a giant hats off to Andy Reid. I mean, Great you know, I, mm-hmm. I know I told you this before I came in. I'm, I'm from New Orleans and it, the relationship between a coach and a quarterback to me has been like obviously very vital, I think, in success. And when I watched Sean Payton and Drew Brees, what they did in New Orleans together, I know it's a sensitive subject here in Minnesota, but what they but what they did together for so long, it it, you can see that type of relationship between Andy and Patrick. Mm -hmm. And a lot of Patrick's success and what he's been able to do is because of that. And obviously before that with Eric Bienemy being there as well. And so I think when you look at those types of like we can we can say all these great things about Mahomes, but there's definitely a conversation to be had about being in the right place with the right leadership and the right it's like Tom everything and else. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. All right. And I mean, yeah. you're looking at this draft coming up. Uh, there are probably what three exceptional prospects and mm-hmm. there are probably three or four more who could very well be very good. Mm-hmm. And you wonder if the variable is not how good these quarterbacks are, but where they end who up and who coaches with. them. Exactly. CJ Stroud, yep. Bryce Young. Yep. I mean, you can have that argument in here, yep. you know, no doubt. All right, let's. Uh, we always highlight women's sports on this show, uh, and I want to get to um, PWHL at its first trade ever. Uh, Boston traded, uh, acquired Abby Cook from the Minnesota PWHL team and forward Susa- Susanna Tappany and got Sophie Jocks. Uh, the P- the Minnesota PHL, they got to give us a name. They got to come up with a nickname soon. Uh, I hate saying the Minnesota PWHL team. But I they, think they're going to be assigned one. All of oh, them really? are. So that's the that's do kind it. of what I heard. No, don't Interesting. quote me so on it. So they're doing it the opposite of the way the Minnesota Aurora did. Yeah. So that's that's the buzz I heard. And so I think when we when we get one here in Minnesota, everyone will get one. So Interesting. They well, just and they're in second place now, so they're still having a very good season. Uh, obviously, we've talked a lot about Mara Braun on this uh, show. Her being out, Gophers just having trouble functioning without her. She's... A, she wasn't even having as good a season as I expected her to, but 
but she's still so important. They just can't function without her. Yeah, I mean, I love Janae. She plays her heart out. Yep, she does. But, you know, you just can't fill the shoes. It's like losing your Patrick Mahomes, you know? It's especially when you're in a groove and you're playing so well and everything is kind of orchestrated around what she can do and then she's gone, you know, um, Janae's just trying her best, but you you can't do it by yourself. Yeah, and with Mara, she spread defenses out with the three-point shooting, at least the threat mm-hmm. of three-point shooting, and she can get her own shot, and they just haven't figured out how to play without her, and which is kind of understandable. Yeah, because um, she lifted, what, the tide lift all boats, right? Yes. You know, um, but I think Janae was the only one in double figures. I think Janae's so, a good player. Sophie Hart and Amaya both had seven, so. Yeah, Janae's a good player, but she's not really a three-point shooter, yeah. and you move her in the starting lineup, then you lose that from your bench. She's just, you know, it's just typical bath, basketball math. But I will give them this. I think they ran out of steam because they went toe-to-toe with Ohio State at the at the beginning. You know, it was just kind of in the, in the second half when, you know, I think um, the Buckeyes went on like a 9-0 run, and then they just kind of – it was like they were in quicksand after that, and they just couldn't – get their footing after that. And so that's where I was disappointed. Cause I'm like, look at them holding their own. You know, I know it's growing pains. They'll, they'll learn and they'll probably become better from grow, going through that. But that second half, I was like, Oh yeah. Uh, another college women's college basketball note, Caitlin Clark, I think is eight points from setting the all time scoring record. And yet I always had two games this year where they had leads in the fourth quarter on the road and they lost them and they kind of collapsed And this last w- weekend. They, uh, that happened at Nebraska. Right. Uh, and they sh- absolutely should have won that game. Clark started missing. They She went cold. She went cold, and they don't really know what to do with that when she's not hot. Exactly. I think mentally they went cold as well. Yeah. Like, oh, what? Uh. So I thought the same thing, but I don't follow them as closely if it's not her. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, gosh, is it all on? Is it the same thing? Is it one superstar and the rest of them crumble? I'm not saying that they crumbled. I'm just saying when they you're crumbled. in those when you're in those close, you know, moments, like who pulls through? It's usually your star. Oh, uh, we do want to thank Rudy Luther Toyota. We have one more uh, women's top to get to, and then I'm gonna let Don and and Tatum take over and have a nice conversation here. Uh, so thanks, Rudy Luther Toyota. Ready for a women forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. Ten cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. Hey, everyone. It's John Krasinski from The Athletic. And uh, on this podcast network, we have The John Krasinski Show. We have The Viking Update Show, talking Timberwolves and Vikings all the time. And some really fun adventures ready for this summer, including partnering with Define Destinations on a wonderful trip to Spain from August 22nd to 29th. And if you sign up for with Define Destinations at definedestinations.com, uh, you can go with me to Madrid and Barcelona. The trip includes airfare from Minneapolis-St. Paul, centrally located hotels, a city tour of Madrid, a city tour of Barcelona. We'll stay in four-star hotels. We'll take some tapas and sangria food tours. They'll have all sorts of different sightseeing adventures. We'll have guided local tours to show us around. Maybe we'll even knock on Ricky Rubio's door. Who knows? But uh, I think it's going to be a great time. Uh, You've probably heard Michael Russo talk about these trips and how much fun that they have. And so after a long season with the Timberwolves, hopefully one that goes deep into the spring and early summer, maybe you want to come with me to Madrid and Barcelona in Spain at the end of August for just a wonderful tour. I'm really looking forward to it. Again, sign up at defineddestinations.com. Look for John Krasinski's Spain trip, and I hope to see you out there. All right, our Minnesota Aurora moment. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Andre Ayak was one of the founders, probably the most influential founder of the, the franchise. She has now kind of backed away a little bit from the day-to-day operation. Jessica Poole is the new team president and COO. And at Minnesota Aurora, mnaurora.com, really good piece from Jessica this week. 
Oh, uh, I was thinking the same thing. We're on the yeah. same page. Yeah. So the and the headline is "I am my ancestors' wildest dream," uh, and the, the lead to her column, her, her story is being a black woman in America is hard. I'll let you pick up from there. Uh, but hey, this is what Minnesota Aurora stands for: diversity, uh, opportunity, and building something special from the ground. Yeah, and they don't shy away, kind of like the links don't, about taking a stand and mm-hmm. speaking out and, and being about, um, you know, not only moving the needle, I know that's kind of a cliche thing to say, but what I thought was interesting that Jessica said is, I want to make change and I'm, I'm all for diversity, but what we're starting here at Minnesota Aurora, I hope can make global change. So they want to be the example for other female teams. and. Yes, in soccer, but also beyond to kind of take that and move it forward. And I think in the article, she also talked about um, how few black women there are in sports in general, but especially so in female sports. And uh, I think that's what she said. It's hard to be a black woman in America. So I'm I'm excited that she wrote this article because I know when Andrea started Minnesota or this is what she wanted. And Andrea was not afraid to take a stand on issues. And so now here's Jessica taking that and advancing it. And I was, I was thrilled to read that. It's a good read. If you go to minnesotaroar.com, it's right on there. Yes. Um, it's also cool to be in this market where Leah B. Olson and Rebecca Brunson, and there are black women working in the media who are very good at what they do. Yeah. Mika Morris over at the yes, twins. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of good people in town. All right. Uh, I want to let, I'm going to back away from the mic now, and I'm going to let Don take over and have a conversation with with Tatum. Uh, I doubt if I'll be of any use from this point oh, on. Oh, I think you're going to chime in. Oh, you think yeah. so? Oh, yeah. Okay, we'll see how it goes. I, I know you. I know you. Well, uh, just to reintroduce uh, Tatum Everett over at Vikings Entertainment Network. Um, Tatum, your work there, I know that you said that you've been a reporter when it comes to news and been in sports, but when you came to the Vikings and it was really enticing for you to kind of get entrenched in one team, Mm -hmm. which is so different from the roles that you have to do as a reporter beforehand, where you have to kind of know everything. How for you has that been? And I'm not going to say from a female aspect, because when people ask me that, what's it like to be a female? I'm like, well, I don't know what it's like to be a male. So I can only speak for me. It's great. So, but from your aspect of changing kind of that attitude of focusing on one thing, how has that been for you? It was always kind of a dream of mine to be able to focus on one thing and put all of my thought and energy into one sport. Football's kind of always been it for me. And I just learned other sports and and the rules and followed it just because it was like something I had to do to be able to cover football. And so for for me, I was always trying to get and I and I and I'll be honest, like I don't didn't really ever have any desire to work at a regional sports network because they were not covering the NFL or college football. And that's really again what I wanted to do. So I'd always kind of had my eye on these team reporter jobs. Um and, and obviously other networks, but, but mainly the ones where you could just cover football. And I always tell young journalists, I was like, being a team reporter, you have to know a lot about a little, but then if you're doing local TV sports, you know a little about a lot because exactly. you can't dedicate yourself uh, in, in some positions. Like obviously you guys know so much about the Vikings and you're so entrenched with the team because of the partnership and the shows and things like that. But then like, you don't get the break that I do, which is actually really nice. Like, off season, I turned, right, right, I turned right. my brain off for like a month afterwards. You know, I'm like following stuff and I'm doing my job. It's just not as intensive. And I don't have to go, okay, so now that football is over, I need to keep up with the Timberwolves. I need to keep up with the Lynx. I need to know what's going on with gophers, hockey, and basketball. Like, I don't have to do that. And it's honestly great for, your, for my mental health, at least. It was great. So I, I do like that. And then... To be able to know so much about one team and the Vikings in particular has just been, it's, it's been awesome. Like I, I really do truly enjoy knowing more about the game. Um, I've learned so much just being here more. Uh, I'm a better football fan and football, like my knowledge has grown a lot. I, the, the Vikings afford me to do things where I can take courses so I can learn a bit more because I mean, I feel like learning is such a, and evolving is such a big thing in what we do that if I'm supposed to ask these questions of these players, I need to be 
the best at what I can. My knowledge needs to be top notch. I need to make sure they feel comfortable not looking at me like, why does she have this job? Mm-hmm. So, and not just a she thing, just like a, why does this person have this No, but job? sometimes so. the spotlight is harder. You know, they're going to say, all right, what is this blonde or whatever, redhead? What, what you know, they, whenever yeah, a sure. woman comes in, what, what does she, what, what can she prove to me? Exactly. You're so, and, and, and I think the other interesting part is with, with being in house, I, something that I actually work on a lot is being able to connect and talk to coaches and players and like my relationships with them within the building off camera are important. Um, making sure that they're comfortable around me for interviews has been the easiest part. You know, it's, it's the seeing them in the hallway and talking to them about something or making sure the coach knows who I am. So if I have to ask them for an interview, they're comfortable with me coming up to them being like, Hey, what about you know, our podcast or whatever? And so, and so that's also like a huge part of the game um, is being able to, and it's easier now that like I'm three years in, but, but you know, my first year I felt very, I was a little overwhelmed, you know, that staff had been in there for 20 years, like the GM, the, mm-hmm. you know, Zimmer had been there for a long time. And so when that all flipped, I felt like we were all in the same playing field. Like mm-hmm. I had started with a new staff and so was everyone else. And so I kind of really took it to my advantage and I was like, how can I make these relationships super strong right out of the gate because I have that opportunity now. And one thing I don't know if fans realize, uh, the Vikings are really on the cutting edge of Vikings Entertainment Network. Yeah. Some people just look and they'll say, okay, it's online. And like, no, like they have their own studios. They have shows. They do podcasts. It is amazing. And for you, you have to be diverse enough in your talent to, okay, I'm hosting this show right now. Oh, now I'm doing a podcast. Now I'm doing a one-on-one interview. Now I'm, it's for people on the outside looking in, they don't realize that sometimes in our business, those are totally different skill sets that you have to possess. And for people like you and I, sometimes that's fun. You it know, is. like, I'm like, oh, if Love I'm in that situation, yeah. I'm, I'm loving it, but it could be intimidating for some. I think so. I think you know, I, I don't want to be a broken record, but having that local television background where, you know, I was a one woman sports department at my first job. Um, I, then I was in basically a one woman sports department, my second job. And then my third job, I did have like some, some coworkers, but then when I was in Nashville, my last six months in Nashville, I was a one woman sports department, no photographer, no producer doing a 30 minute show every Sunday and covering three professional teams in market 30. Like that, that's a lot. Also, I like it. Um, and so, you know, like that, 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 that does take a toll on you. But at the same time, I always, you know, I always have been the kind of person who like everything I feel like I've done or experienced has just prepared me for the next. And so coming into the Vikings, you do like, I, I've never emceed an event. I don't know how to host people in the, I have no clue yes, how do. to do that. <laughs> Just well, be yourself. Right. I've right? hosted pep rallies. Yeah. I didn't know I could Same do thing. that. Right. Like yeah. I've, I host our business summit. Like there are a lot of things outside of the realm of broadcasting mm-hmm. that I've had to translate my skills into. And I don't think that I would feel as comfortable or as versatile if I hadn't gone through all of those other experiences. Now, the best part about my job to answer your first question you ha- had for me, I haven't lifted a camera in two and a half years. Yes. <laughs> That's been the greatest because, you know, I think sometimes when you get into this industry, there are reasons you get into it. Like my husband, for example, was also on air at one point, but his main thing that he loves to do is writing. And, um, he's a videographer is his number one like job. And now he's learning. Amazing one of that. Yeah. He's very good. He's a little biased. Um, but I think his writing's actually better, which is kind of insane. Um, He's learning lighting. He's doing all this kind of stuff. And so he's kind of switched this way. Whereas me, I got in and I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to learn how to shoot a camera and light an interview and do that stuff to get by. Maya, I like the writing, being on air, talking to people, the relationships, being in front of the camera, things like that. So, you know, like it's just a necessary evil. So now I get to focus on that side of things. And you're right though. I, I, you don't realize how much you have to do in one week. Mm -hmm. I've never really thought about that too much, Don. That was pretty cool. 
Um, so let's go back a little bit. I know that you went to LSU. Uh, you know, anyone anyone that has met me probably right, knows right. that. It's like, oh, what you don't <laughs> I'm know? I'm a little proud. <laughs> like <laughs> she didn't tell you in the first five seconds. It's yeah, like me right. with Boston College. So <laughs> yes, um, exactly. People always are curious. How did you get into it? Did you have brothers? Yeah. Did you play sports? Um, and LSU, I mean, you, you have to bow to the throne of, you know, the Tigers, but, um, how was your early life like that? And how did you like get entrenched in sports? Everyone always, yeah, that's a very popular question. And I think I kind of surprise people when I tell them like, I was not an athlete. I didn't have brothers. (laughs) So it's like, (laughs) I did pageants. I liked, (laughs) you know, like student council, like I was, you know, and I liked theater. So like, how did I get there? I think just being in the South, you Again, you're surrounded by football. My both my parents love sports, um, mainly LSU sports. We weren't like the kind of family that would just like flip on the NBA finals. That just wasn't us. We would always watch football or LSU. We'll watch every LSU basketball game, every LSU baseball game that was on TV. Like that w- that was it for us. And so I think I just kind of fell in love with that idea then. And then and I think, you know, when I was a pretty ambitious kid. So early on I was like, I talk about football on TV. Like I could, I could get comfortable with that idea. And I think you just play to your strengths. Like I was never going to be a doctor or a scientist. Like those were not my strengths. I could definitely, <laughs> just like my test scores, they were not great. You know, like I could write, you know, and I, and I could talk and I had the theater experience. And so that's just, I did broadcast, I took a broadcasting class in high school and it's funny because it was like, one half of the class was the technical side and one half of the class was the talent side. That's how old school it was back at my wow. high school broadcasting class. So I hadn't even picked up a camera until college, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of thought it was what I wanted to do and everyone kept being like, it's hard, it's competitive. And I kept being like, okay, tell me something I don't know. Like I kind of just was, I never really, it wasn't that I didn't listen and I was like, I never had a prove you wrong attitude. I think I was just like, no, but I don't think you understand. Like, I know I can do this and I'm going to be good at this. So like, I don't, I don't need to prove you wrong. I'm just going to do it. Right. <laughs> well, I think that's one thing that you, well, two things right there that you and I have in common. I was totally into dancing and theater and all Love of that. It. And actually my dance teacher was on Broadway and she was in the New York ballet and she was like, I will take you to Broadway and you can be my protege. And so, and I was also an excellent student. So I was like, well, do I go to college? Do I do that? And I remember I sat down with my parents, right, to have the discussion and um, I so thought my parents were like, well, you're going to college. So I'm there and I'm waiting. And my parents look at each other and they said, well, we've discussed this and it is your life. It is your decision. We support what you do. And I'm like, no. Oh my God, I just got goosebumps. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, no, you're supposed to tell me. You know, you're in high you're, school. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah. And uh, I picked college instead. Um, and I don't regret it. But I laugh because someone said this to me. They said, do you know how competitive it is on Broadway and to, you know, my, my dance teacher told me like, bring three tap, tap shoes with you because girls will cut the straps. Like it's cutthroat. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. And those cattle calls that when you have to do it, she told, she was honest with me about what it was. And, and I'm thinking, well, education, you can't take away from you. Right. So I, I was kind of going back and forth on that. But then my friend said, but you went to something that wasn't cutthroat. And I'm like, yeah, oh, right. <laughs> okay, I guess. Like just and it as is competitive, performing yeah. in a different way. And I don't admit this very often, but I did do pageants because uh, I paid for college. So I was looking for some college money. Yeah, Miss America organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mine was Miss USA, which I wish oh, I was did those. Miss America mm-hmm. uh, because it, there's more focus on talent. It's like you get more scholarship right. out of Yes, that. you do. Yeah, you could have danced. I know. Uh, See, that, I know. everyone's always like, well, what pageants did you do? I was like, the ones where there wasn't talent. Oh, because my talent was talking yeah, or talking. And so like, what was I going to do? My mom tried to talk me into doing a monologue forever. I was like, no one likes the girl that does a monologue. She's never going to win. She's never going to win. I had a like Just a wish for world peace. Yeah, world peace. <laughs> what planet? Yes. Right. I know uh, it's the, the big jokes. I did have that moment, which is ironic that I'm even in this business where I froze. I was supposed to say something. You know, and I will never forget it. So like in Worcester, Massachusetts, Worcester, as they say, Massachusetts, and I'm in this beautiful gown and I had to say something and I blanked, blanked. And all I could feel is like, what, 5,000 or how many in the audience eyes on me. And I just kind of, whatever I did. And I'm like, and now I do this for a living. Yeah. I was like, Baton Rouge, Cindy, Baton Rouge. Before I got to college, I was scared to death to speak in front of like, 
I absolutely couldn't do it. I couldn't call to order pizza. I think it's a common misconception that, that people who do television like public speaking. Because right. whenever, when I first started doing the emceeing stuff and being in front of like a crowd of people, I still get nervous. Uh, and, and they're like, well, why do you, you do this all the time? I'm like, there's a difference between mm-hmm. looking at a camera Especially in studio. In studio, I could literally like you, fold right? my laundry while reading a teleprompter. Like it's not even that, you know, for me, it's just like riding a bike. But like when you're in front of someone with no script or you have to remember to say certain things mm-hmm. and make sure you address the crowd a certain way. And oh man, that stuff gets me every time. Gets I love it now. Time. You know, I, I still get yeah, that, no, that, that nervous get energy. There, <laughs> well, they, then you start realizing they just want you to be comfortable and talk to you. You know, so I've kind of learned that after a while, but, you know, growing up, my my parents, after I graduated, you know, you graduate school, I was working and living in Boston and you have to, as a single woman, you have to do it or you'll, you'll get eaten alive. And I remember I took them to this old restaurant called the European and they sat us by this door and my mother and I were both like the quiet ones. You know, my dad was the bull in the China shop, you know, like you know, go, going searching for clothes, like for school shopping, he'd be like, where are the bras? And you're like, oh my God, dad, nah, dad, right? But um, so he was a bull in China shop. So here we are. And finally, we're sitting by the door and I could tell my mom who was kind of quiet, but a strong woman. So I, I just went up to them. I said, excuse me, can we have another, you know, table and that? And like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad was like, who are you? <laughs> who are you? You spoke up for yourself? And I'm like, look out. So that's kind of, you know, you don't turn back after that, right? I also think it is a common misconception about pageants in general. I mean, I, again, I didn't do the ones where you were like the really smart kid because I didn't have the talent part portion, but the interview process is like not like no joke. And this is Mm -hmm. granted, this was, you know, 20 some odd years ago. So I can't speak for them currently. I'm not connected to it in any way anymore, but a lot of the women that I met through them and ones that have gone on since are some of the most brilliant women that I've met. Yeah. It gives you this sense of confidence that you can speak to adults, that you are an adult at some, because I did teen pageants. I did never do a Miss pageant, like the over 18. So um, it just gives you this sense of confidence because you have gone in front of people before. You have answered a question live on stage in front of right. thousands. You're having to interview for things. Like those are just crucial skills to move forward in. I had, a, I had a mentor one time tell me like, I don't care if you don't want the job, you just need to go on the interview because mm-hmm. what happens when you get the interview you really want and you haven't got on any. And so those kinds of skills that you got while doing pageants as, you know, lame as that sounds was, um, was really helpful, especially in TV when you have to learn makeup skills. That was helpful too. Vaseline on the teeth was the number one. Oh, I don't think I've thing. done that. Oh yeah. Cause if you're nervous and your lips, your mouth gets dry and your lips stick, put a little Vaseline on your teeth and it just makes your smile go. Yeah. That sounds disgusting. It was disgusting. <laughs> not, not, it's just, just like a little thin kind of. That's funny. You know, and I'm like, oh, okay. Cause you know, you were nervous and then it's, it's just kind of I, I still get pretty nervous. I haven't got, I haven't shaken the live shot bug yet, but I, I also think it's cause I, I'm a very hypercritical person. So like mm-hmm. I'm in my head all the time about that stuff, oh, which okay. I think, which I think is hard too. Sometimes when you're in this business, like Dawn gets up there and just like kills it every time. It's like, she has no nerves. And I'm like, that's where I'm trying to get. That's where I'm trying to get. Uh, no, you know, there's sometimes you do have nerves, but I think it's when like the very first time I did the national sidelines, I think you get a little nervous but then yeah, I do like you do that breathing technique and realize this is something you do every day. It doesn't matter how big the audience is. It doesn't matter if two people are watching or, you know, the nation's watching. It doesn't matter. That's true. You sound it, like you sound like some of the players in the locker room. <laughs> right. <laughs> we just practice. It's just, we just practice it every day so then we get out there. It's just second nature. But yeah, I think the thing is, and I have said these words to myself, get out of your head. Yeah. Because when you're in your own head, you sometimes are subdued and people are like, oh, were you tired? Were you quiet? And I'm like, no. But when you're in your own head, so I hear athletes say that, but you do like get out of it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, do some breathing techniques, get in there. And I don't do it like right before I go on live. It was probably my first time that I was going to do a network sideline. And I was like, oh my God. Then you start thinking about it. Like, oh, right. oh my God, this is what I dreamed of. <laughs> and they're like, get over yourself. Mm-hmm. just do what you do. And then, you know, and if you make a mistake, laugh or just keep going with it. That's, you know? I think that's the hardest part too. Sometimes was just like 
realizing super young, like a be yourself, but also like if you mess up, it's not the end of the world, like laugh about it or make fun of yourself or like, and I, and I still work on that and Viking stuff because I think sometimes, you know, we're very, and I don't feel like I'm, you know, um, it's a good word for this. I don't feel like I'm saying anything that I shouldn't say, I guess, but like, you know, like I, I can ask you a question about the Vikings, but I really am not you know, I can't have a hypercritical opinion and, you right. know, where mm-hmm. I, I, that, mm-hmm. that's the major difference between what I do now and what I used to do. Right? right. And so, um, I think sometimes when I'm thinking about that, I'm like in my head about it, you know, but, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, but people are watching you because you, they like your personality. They're watching you on here because they want to watch you do what you do. So like, it's a balance between like being yourself and w- saying what you want to say. And then like also making sure that you keep your job. Right. <laughs> know where your bread yeah. is buttered, right? Yes, and I don't mind it. I've, I never got in this business. And, and again, there's so many different things you can do in broadcasting and, and sports broadcasting. And like, I didn't really ever want to be a breaking news reporter. It really wasn't my shtick. I didn't care about that as much. I liked the feature style stories. I liked telling player stories um, and things like that. So, so for me, going this route was always was more natural, was mm-hmm. more comfortable because I didn't feel like I was too out of the realm. Like, yes, my opinion is not, you know, like I don't share it as often very much, but like, that's also not my job and that's okay. Well, and also if you, if you want to take the next step as a news reporter, I'm not supposed to, like Jim, when you're do a column, you can give your opinion. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, people now, unless it's a forum where I can give an opinion, like a podcast, I, I for me, maybe I'm still old school my opinion isn't what people are tuning into. This is not about me. This is the story that I am reporting as I see it. Mm -hmm. And I have to give facts. And I remind people like, I know you don't like social media, but the the fans get so emotional, Jim. And and you know that, that I'm like, I take the emotion out of it. I am only dealing in facts. And my personal opinion doesn't matter in this. Now, if I'm on a podcast and it's a different thing and it's an editorial, yeah, I'll give mine. Um, But also the same thing vikings partnerships i'm not gonna go rip like i but we have the we're freedom not going to scorched say earth here <laughs> no we're not going scorched earth but i can say hey this was terrible call sure. this is blah 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 I'm, I'm questioning this questioning that um i would do that anyway just because i've been in it for a, a long time but you also know how to do it in a professional way mm-hmm. you know just like there's those gotcha journalists that i i don't i've never aspired to or think really should exist where they're just doing it just to get a reaction out of an athlete rather than the truth. You know, like I'm going to pose it this way just to get under his skin. I remember I was in Chicago and some reporter said it to something about Jim Miller and I was asking him about, I can remember. And he got under his skin, you know, and thank God social media wasn't really that big back then, but it was kind of like, he went, you know, and that's, that's that gotcha where you just get under their skin and they explode rather than, just give me the, you can ask a tough question and you can ask it professionally, mm-hmm. you know? And that, always, that doesn't sit well with me. Like, I don't want to do that to someone. I want the truth, but yeah. I don't need to be, you know, ha- have a, a different agenda about it. Right. I, I don't like that. I'm also just like, don't want confrontation. I'm really cool with that. I want to know I what happened, confrontation but I don't... If it's a legit question, <laughs> I don't mind it. Yeah, yeah. So... Right. But you ask it professionally. You're never, you're never like, like you said, like trying to get under someone's skin. Um, that's, that's probably the biggest part. Yeah. I mean, but it's definitely a delicate balance. I, I would say I've struggled with it a little bit more recently, um, trying to figure all that out. I think it, you know, when you have a 13 win season, it's pretty easy Mm -hmm. to let things fly and you're good to go. But when you hit adversity, I think that's when sometimes you can struggle with you know, how to word things, phrase things, what you, what you feel like you can do and can't do. I think really high level caliber athletes know when they mess up and they gain, they gain respect for you. If you professionally call them on it. When we were in the locker room after the, they lost the NFC championship way back and um, I remember Adrian Peterson had those fumbles. Remember we're, t- we're in new Orleans. Um, no one was asking about the fumbles and I, you had to. And I said, you know, and then I'm at the point, because I didn't want to be the one to ask him that. I'm like, no one else is. I'm like, all right, I go, Adrian, those fumbles though, uncharacteristic. He's like, I know. 
I know they make me sick and blah, blah. And after when he goes, afterwards, when everyone was done, he goes, thanks for asking me about those. That's awesome. Because I, I was upset with myself, but he wasn't going to bring it up. No. But, you know, it was kind of like, okay, so you're, you're an elite athlete, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when they know and you know, and you ask it in a way that they can address it, Rather than, oh, Butterfingers, you know, that kind of thing, <laughs> you know, because we have to see them again. I said, it's not like sometimes a news reporter, you're never going to see who you're interviewing again, right? Like we're facing these guys. Yeah, you build relationships. You're going to um, see them in three days for a locker clean out. Right. <laughs> and they're going to be like, oh, Butterfingers. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're going to remember exactly. and they're not going to like you. And Jim, you've been on the end of both of it, right? Oh, yeah. You have to ask the, t- the tough questions, yeah. but you also know you've got to face the music if you do that. Yeah. So. But, and my role is just different than most. I would love to have your role at some point where you can just kind of like, you know, column is totally different. It's completely different. It, it's kind of freedom. Yeah, I mean, I did all the other jobs. Yes. Uh, high schools, mm-hmm. you know, pro beat writer, twins, Vikings, feature writing, some investigative work. And this is just a completely different animal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is I this think, part, oh, sorry. Is this like, are you enjoying that in this time of your life or is this something you've always wanted to do? I always wanted to do it, but I don't know. I've, I've been really lucky because, you know, at first I just wanted a decent job and it took mm-hmm. me a while to get a decent job. And then I was like, okay, maybe I want to be a pro beat. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was around it enough to see what it was like. And I wanted to give it a shot. I got to cover the Dallas Cowboys for the Dallas morning news. It's one of the best jobs in the country. And I came here to cover the Vikings. It was a great job. And I, then at some point they asked me to go cover the twins, which was terrible for my life, but it was great professional. <laughs> One year covering the twins, I spent 180 days on the road. Oh, Ooh. that's also why I left football 16, right. 17 games. Yeah. Yep. Sign me up. So, but you know, you get to a point where you feel like you've done all the reporting things, you've done everything else. And you do want to just be able to sit down and say, here's, you know, through my experience, through my contacts, through whatever, my thought process, here's where I'm coming down on this issue. It, it's a cool thing to be doing at this point in my life. Yeah. It's like unscripted, right? You can just kind of say what you feel. Um, and, and also give a forum for things that it's not the daily, you know, if you have, I mean, we have beat writers covering the teams, which frees me up to, and I can go, I mean, you know, I can write analysis. I can write criticism. I can write praise. I can write history. I can, I can kind of go any direction I want, uh, whatever serves the the purpose for my paper that, that, that day. Are you writing one for the Super Bowl? I wrote one for, I wrote like this, one for morning? the Sunday as a preview. And then I wrote okay. off the game last night. You did? Which is weird. Okay, I have to look at it. I, what's weird is I used to cover Super Bowls live mm-hmm. and, you know, we've gotten to a point where we're not spending money on that. And it's, <laughs> excuse me, it feels really weird to sit home and write about and watch it when you're not there because you feel like you need to be there, but it would also be weird to not write about the Super Bowl. So I'm not, I don't feel great about it and I don't think it produces great columns to sit home and write, but I don't know. Every but once there's in a, while a reality you where way. we are in terms yes. of cost effectiveness mm-hmm. in, exactly. this, in our businesses as well. Yes. But you know, covering the Super Bowl live, I mean, I got to talk to Matt Burke after he won his Super Bowl. I got yeah. to talk to Tom Moore from Rochester, Minnesota when he was, Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. I got to talk to Tony Dungy when he was, and you're there face to face and you can actually get some one-on-one time, believe it or not. And it's just weird to not do it that way. Mm. You're going purely off of the broadcast, like what yes. you saw and stuff. You're not yeah. getting any firsthand account. Exactly. Yeah. And you feel like you need that little extra. Makes sense. But. Well, we've seen in the past too, where play-by-play guys are sitting in a closet watching it and kind of doing the play-by-play from, I mean, you know, yeah, people it, don't know most of the time, right? but that's, that's how, the business goes in terms of TV too. Just so. where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Well, before we finish up Tatum, I wanted to ask you this question because people automatically assume, you know, we talked about um, being, an, you know, whether you're an introvert or not, like I'm an ambivert. Um, and then you end Wait, up in this, that? an ambivert is sometimes I'm introverted. Sometimes I'm extroverted. I it thought I meant you're on Ambien. <laughs> <laughs> I was no, going, I've never yeah. tried Ambien. But Maybe I, I should. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of like an extroverted introvert and an introverted extrovert. Yeah. So they call so ambivert. Yeah. Kind of like, boom. Okay. Okay, I like that. Uh, Sorry, I, I didn't know. mean to still. No, it's true though, right? So people just automatically assume that you're extroverted. Mm-hmm. Also, if you're a woman in sports, they automatically assume that you're here with a soapbox. And I have found, like I always said, you know, I never set out to 
to take the torch and yeah. And I said, but I've kind of morphed into that because for me, I'm a little disappointed that where we are in, in 2024, it's not more advanced, you know, where some of the fights or internal sometimes with myself, not external, because you had to smile and get your job. Some of the fights I had when I first started are still going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you see your brethren or other people um, kind of, oh, yeah, I started with th- that person. And now he's like the president of blah, blah, blah. And I'm still doing the same thing. Um, so in terms of moving the needle, but I also don't want to do it in a gruff way. Like, I don't want to mm-hmm. be not myself. Do you find now, especially young girls coming to you, you know, that you're put in a position that you didn't think of when you first started, like, I just like sports and I just wanted to talk about sports. But now I'm um, not that I have to champion something, but I really feel strongly about helping women behind me and like kind of reaching back and, and lifting them up. Yeah, no, for sure. And I will say like in, in what I've done, I've been fortunate enough to not experience a lot of sexism. Um, I always say that like, you know, if someone comes at you and they're like, well, you only got this job because you're a woman. I'm like, well, cool. At least I got to use who I am to my advantage. And then I made what I could out of the opportunity. Yeah. You got to stay there, you know, like, right. and, and then I got, and I got advice really early on where it was like to be a woman in sports, you know, looks come and go. If that's what you're going to put your career into and, and that's why you are, you know, what you're using to go for jobs then you probably will not have as long of a career as someone who is invested in what they do. They are willingness to learn. Like you have to be good at your job. And I'm not saying that you can't be both because I think you can, but you know, knowing, knowing that you have to back yourself up was always like a big deal thing for me. Um, I've had talent coaches, I've had football courses. Like I I've done the, you know, I do the work because I know that's what's going to help me sustain long term. Um, and so that those are the kinds of things that I pass on a lot, I think, to young women. And I and I do, I think it's very easy to feel like you need to do that. And the feeling of helping other women and that thought process now that we're all so connected on social media. I'm not sure. I'm sure I would feel the same, but maybe not so much like responsibility for a lot of people as opposed to just maybe ones that I would have connected with. Because with social media, you have this like vast array of people. And, and honestly, like I, I just went back to LSU in October to do a back to my mass comm school. They had a sports summit and they wanted to include, they, they included like a lot of women that either I went to school with or just right after me. And we had a, t- there were so many women in the wanted to do sports and we talked to them forever and they find you on LinkedIn and they email mm-hmm. you and you try to have all the time for them that you can. And, um, and I think that that like just being there, because I mean, I was that person at one point. Yeah. And if you would have told me a freshman at LSU that I would be a team reporter, which was not a job when I graduated right. school, I'd probably be like, Hey, you did pretty good girl. You know, like you did okay. So I think that they just aspire to do the things and want to know, and you try and help them as much as you can. Um, I do feel like there is a sense of responsibility, but like it's, it's sometimes hard for me to think that people look up to me because I still look up to so many people and I don't picture myself as someone that like, is that that level yet? I don't know. That, that, that's kind of what always, you know, goes around in my mind. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I can give you this advice, but I don't, I don't know. I haven't searched for a job in a while. I don't really know what agents do anymore. I don't have one. Like, I don't understand that world as much as I used to, you know? You brought up a good point where you said, you know, someone said this to me and you were just honest about who you were. And I always say that's maybe the number one thing I tell people, but like, well, I don't, what do you mean? Just be myself. What do you mean? Mm -hmm. And so I sometimes tell this example and I want to preface it by this person and I, and I'm not going to say his name, but we're very good friends still to this day for eons. But, um, it was hiring for a job, something that I had already done for this company just before I was on air, mm-hmm. it, which I, ironically that plays into the story. Who knew in the future I would be on air, but I was like just freelance and I wanted a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, cause I was working like four freelance jobs or 80, you know, hours a week just to, you know, pay my bills with my five roommates, that kind of thing. But I remember I went in and I had my suit on and I was ready for this full-time you know, field producers job. And, Basically, um, I was brought in, I thought, for the third interview, so I figured I had it. And then um, by the end, he was 
just chit-chatting, but by the end, I was like, it wasn't going anywhere. And he said, hey, I just thank you for coming in, but I just want to tell you that we've already hired for the job. So I was kind of mad that they put me through the rigmarole. And he said, because I see you, you know, this is a field producer's job. You're kind of, it's out in the fields and fields are messy and fields are, you know, that kind of thing. And Uh. I can feel like my anger kind of creeping up and I'm keeping in check. And, you know, I see you more like, you know, with makeup on behind a desk, like maybe on air. And that was insulting to me because I've been doing field producing. Right. (laughs) So finally, you know, I just smiled and I always say, I said, it's super nice. I said, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate the time and thank you for the constructive criticism. And he said, well, well, I didn't give you constructive criticism. I said, yes, actually, this will help me in the future for the next time that I interview for a job that I'm already doing. Um, I won't wear a suit. I'll wear jeans and a T-shirt so you can take me more credibly. And he just looked at me, right? And I said, thank you. Shook his hand and left. And I was like, you know, because I was so mad, but I was professional about it. So thank you, did it. Two days later, he called me and offered me the job, the field producer job. Yep, I got the job. And he's like, and then afterwards it was, dang, you laid that velvet hammer down on me. I go, no, I didn't. But I was already doing the job. I was overqualified for the job. And you made it seem like all I need to do is put makeup on and look pretty. And I said, now I can do that too, but that was insulting. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And still to this day, we're, so I always say, yeah. listen, don't be rude, but be yourself, like yeah. stand your ground. Cause if you know, you can do something, you know, you're qualified. Mm-hmm. And somebody says that, like, I think nowadays, and, and it was kind of skirting the line of like, you know, not illegal, but you know, you shouldn't say that anyway, but, um, He's a kind, kind, great person is still a very good friend of mine because he's like, but I'm friends with them because he said, I love, I, I adore you. You're going to be my friend for life because you were honest. I just think there was an old school way of how men spoke to women. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I found that like a lot of my, you know, bosses and news directors or whatever that were a little younger were very delicate with how they put things. Um, <laughs> my first, when I got the job in Shreveport, Louisiana, my news director was like, so what do you want your look to be? And I was like, I don't know. I've been doing this for four years. What's wrong with my look? Because <laughs> that's how I took it. And he's like, no, I'm just trying to help. Like, you want to be consistent in what you look. Funny enough, I changed my hair like seven times while I was there. So it really didn't matter. But he was like printing out pictures of Carrie Underwood and like stuff. And I was like, this is kind of silly, right? And so I, I didn't take too much offense. But again, it's hard to offend me. So I was like, okay, whatever. I'm not worried about my look. Like, that's not, I'm not worried. Should have punched him in the throat. Well, you, <laughs> She probably mentally this, she this, actual, this second story might actually make you a little upset. But I remember I um I had dyed my hair blonde because I thought everyone, you know, wanted a blonde, right? And so I and, and I had been dyeing my hair all different colors throughout high school and college. And so I had lightened it up a little bit. And then I was like, no, I think I'm gonna try and go back to my roots. And so I started to go back a little bit, but my resume tape had all blonde hair. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to the got this, you know, I was on this job interview, which by the way, was an absolute lateral move. My first job was at a uh, cable station in a parish, which is a county in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And I only covered those county parish sports. Very entry level. But the next job I went to was Market 161 as a weekend sports anchor. So like it wasn't much of a difference. And this guy was like, well, I walked in for the interview and he's like, oh, well, I want to offer you the job, but I need you to dye your hair back to what you look like in the tape because you don't look like the girl that I thought I was hiring. And I was like, cool. I am taking a pay decrease for you to tell me this. I know. Yeah, there's some horror stories. And then my dad was like, you're not even making what a cashier at Target makes. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And I'm dyeing my hair. So my first job, I made $6 (laughs) an hour. $8.50. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With no benefits. Oh. But they didn't ask, ask me to dye my hair. So I was ahead of the Well, and still to this day, your bosses have a say in your look, at least in news. They do. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. For sure. Know, I mean, I feel like you have to get things a little approved. Bit on it, but, That's right? why I'm a print yeah. person. Yeah. You know. They don't care. You have to get things approved. <laughs> but, I, but I did, in. I, I will say I did get some advice from a mentor who is a male in the industry that I respect so, so, so much, just recently retired. And, you know, one of the, one of his things was when I was going through like my different hair extension coloring days, he was like, your tape isn't consistent. It's distracting. Oh, interesting. And so I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I understand. You have a point. I did have a news director in San Diego eons ago when um, I was, my agent was kind of casting out different things. Mm-hmm. 
And I went in there and he said, and it was a great interview. He loved my stuff. And he goes, you know, I got to be honest with you. I don't think blondes look good on TV. And I'm sitting there like, well, where do you go with that? So I almost laughed. That's going to have been the right like, response. I okay. Uh, thank you. Because cool. I was like, I'm not dyeing my hair brown. Because I've already done that. When I was out of college, it was I wasn't even on air yet. Um, my internship, there was blonde jokes. And like, I went to Boston College. I had four brothers. There was never dumb blonde jokes in, in my life. And then I get into sports television. There was a lot of dumb blonde jokes. And I'm like, I just graduated. Like, you know, I got a great GPA. And uh, I'm, I don't have to tell you how smart I am, but I dyed my hair brown and it was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. You know, I mean, so you can't vary. It's like, sometimes I have to low light my hair here because it gets so light in the summer. Cause I just, I am light, but you know, so, so you get varying degrees of blonde, but I'm, I'm lighter. So I dyed it dark and my mom looked like Sophia Loren threw up on Jackie O, right? She, I was like, whose child is this? Like I came out like needing sunscreen right away. Right. But my mom was dark. So I figured she's going to love it that I'm now I'm dark, just like my mom. And my mom never lied day in her life. I go, what do you think? She goes, it's interesting. <laughs> it was horrible. And I didn't realize that you couldn't just go back to being blonde. Oh God, it's a process. It is a process. So I was like a redhead for a little bit and then a strawberry Same. blonde. Same. None of this was on air, but I'm thinking, I'm not going through that again with this guy who says yeah. blondes don't look good on TV. Yeah. I just think very much. San yeah, Diego would have been nice though. I think if someone were to tell me that <laughs> someone told them that again now, I'd be like, well, it's all subjective at the end of the day. Like our industry is very subjective. Mm -hmm. Again, it's about who... And and it's come, it's taken me a long time to understand this. You know, I feel like my personality is my strength. That's my, like, that's what I'm leaning on. That's my superpower in life, I've realized. And so when you are able to show that to other people through TV, that's what they tend to be attracted to yes. and like. And so there are people out there, and I am 100% okay with that, who don't like my voice. There are people like out there who don't like my personality or like me on air. And that's okay. Like you're allowed to have your opinion. And there are people that I watch on TV that I don't care for. Um, my mom actually used to send me these text messages of the women on the news in New Orleans. And she'd be like, did you see what so-and-so wore today? And I was like, mom, that is someone's daughter. And there is someone in where I'm working at right now who's probably sending my photo to someone else. So just keep that in mind the next time you do that about someone. Mm -hmm. Like you're allowed to have your opinion and that's fine. Like it, it is what it is. But I think at the end of the day, like who you are and your personality and knowing that if I turn on Fox 9 Sports, I know I'm getting Dawn on the TV that night is why people want to tune in. And like, that's, that's what I think. You try so hard when you're young to like mold yourself into what you think yes. a journalist does and looks like and talks like. Be more sporty. Be more glam. I mean, honestly, the, biggest, this. the biggest thing I get now is sound more conversational. And I'm like, you're right. I, I have to work on that. Like sound more conversational. So be yourself. Because you are conversational. Right. So like, but that was really hard for me to, to understand and realize for a very long time. Well, and I want to say this to all the, if there's any young women out there that want to get in the business, I've had some kids um, from college when I go and speak there say, and they'd come up to me on the side and be like, do I have to get plastic surgery? Like, <gasps> did you no. have, yes, I oh, had this one shoot. woman, young woman asked me and she goes, so did you have, I go, are you with this nose? Do you think I've had cosmetic surgery? And like, you know, my dad would say, I go, dad, what's, what it kind of nose do I have? He goes, it's Roman, Roman all over your face. Like that's just a <laughs> joke, right? I mean, you know, thick skin from, from the jump. But now I'm realizing it's kind of like that Jennifer Gray, you get a nose job and you're totally different, right? So I'm like, listen, this is who I am. And if any boss tells you they won't hire you on air until you get a nose job or like, you know, put implants in your cheeks or something, you don't want to work for that person. You don't. But then I'd also be like, would you pay for it? No, I'm kidding. If this is something you want to do for you, yes, go right ahead. Yes. If you want to do something for you, I'm not, but if you think you have to do something because someone else says it, mm -hmm. you really have to look at, do you want to, do you want to work for that person? Mm -hmm. But, um, and I said, so it's a great point, you know, so don't change because I said, who's your favorite actress? And they'd be like, well, Meryl Streep. I go, does she look like Miss Universe? And they're like, no, I go, that's your answer. Mm -hmm. She's good at her job and you like her for her mm -hmm. and she's beautiful in her own right. So oh, yeah. just remember that. And they're like, oh. Oh, okay. I'm like, oh, yeah. this generation of women, if you think they, we they do a whole other podcast on how social media is making that happen. Yeah. So, yeah. So, well, Tatum, thank you so much. Th yes. Thank you for 
not only your personality, <laughs> but for your, your friendship and also your talent. I'm I'm so glad that you're leading the way in the NFL for because I think more and more teams are going to be getting their own TV stations um, and, and doing all that, which is a whole different topic we can talk about at another time. But um, you're you're a light. And I, I appreciate you. Well, thanks, Don. You've been welcoming the moment I got here. And it's always nice to have women around in the locker room and sports and to work with you guys has always been wonderful. So nice to meet you today, too. And, and I, I just this is awesome. I love I love when we can. I mean, I feel like it's like war, old war stories. Like we get around the table. And we're like, oh, this one time. You yeah, know? but that's great, so, right? Yeah. This is what this is for in a way because sure. you don't have time to do this in like yeah. in another setting. So we'll have you on again. Oh, anytime, you guys. Okay, tomorrow. All right, tomorrow, see you. Uh, We'll give you you a break, but we will have you back on, and thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys.